Today on Save As, a warning. This episode may cause hunger and the urge to dance. Welcome to Save As, a podcast that glimpses the future of heritage conservation through the work of graduate students at the University of Southern California. I'm Trudy Sandmeyer. And I'm Cindy Alnick. So, Cindy. Yes, Trudy. So we started this season talking about a little town named Yedem in the Central Valley, which means paradise or Garden of Eden in Armenian. Today we're going to visit LA's Armenian heritage, looking at this same group of folks, but a little more locally. And with a lot of unexpected elements here. You talked with Eric Van Breen, who just finished his thesis like 45 minutes ago, and he has a lot of uh, cool things to share. It was a pretty wide-ranging conversation, and it was really fun. And we talked about food and music and all kinds of things that you may not have thought of, or maybe places you might have seen driving around the city that you didn't even know what they were or what they're, why they were significant. No idea. No idea. And I wish I'd had a warning, frankly, because after I heard this, I, you know, it's hard to eat and dance at the same time, but I couldn't help myself. Well, you are an overachiever, <laughs> as we know. I wasn't chewing gum, though. I was, I might have been patting my head. I can't remember. So anyway, folks, hmm. enjoy, yeah. safely, please enjoy this episode. Enjoy this chat between Trudy and Eric Van Breen. Eric finished his thesis really just a matter of weeks ago, so we are feeling very cutting edge here on Save As to have him with us today. So welcome, Eric, to Save As. It's lovely to have you here today. Hey, Trudy. How's it going? Can you share the title of your thesis with us? Yeah, so my title is Not So Little Armenia, Conserving uh, Armenian Heritage Sites in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So why Not So Little Armenia? What does that mean? I chose not so little Armenia because little Armenia is a neighborhood in Hollywood, but the Armenian community is much larger than that. And in fact, it's the largest Armenian community outside of Armenia itself. You mean that across all of Los Angeles, right? Not just in Glendale, which is where everyone thinks the Armenian community is centered. Correct. The Armenian community is all throughout LA County with pockets in different neighborhoods in areas that most people wouldn't even expect the Armenian community to be. What was it about the Armenian experience in Los Angeles that drew you to this thesis topic? I am half Armenian on my mother's side. My great-grandparents came in through uh, the ports on the East Coast uh, where they landed and settled, uh, but eventually made their way out West, originally settling in Fresno, where there was a large Armenian population. My great-grandparents came to LA in the 1920s and 30s, making a new life for themselves after fleeing the massacres and genocide in the Ottoman Empire. So it's a personal tale for you? Yep. When did the Armenian community really start here in Los Angeles? I found that there are two distinct waves of immigration to Los Angeles. There was the first that were genocide survivors, but that wave really gets cut off in the 1920s with restrictive immigration acts, which limits the number of immigrants 
from outside of Western Europe. And that Immigration Act is enforced through the 1960s when we have more progressive immigration policy passed in 1965. With the passage of that policy, we see a new wave of immigration that happens. And these Armenians are primarily from throughout the Middle East that were scattered after the genocide. So we have a big population coming from Lebanon caused by the Lebanese Civil War. There's also a large population of Armenians coming from Iran with the Iranian Revolution in the 1970s, but also the Iran-Iraq War that was happening around the same time. Armenians are indigenous to Iran, so these were not necessarily Armenians that were scattered from the genocide. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Armenians coming from the former Soviet Union, starting in the 1980s and then 1990s as the Soviet Union falls and it opens up the doors for this wave to come in. One of the really interesting things in your thesis that I learned about were all the different neighborhoods that have pockets of Armenian community tucked away inside of them. So let's talk a little bit about where the community started and where it moved to over time. The earliest communities I found were in South LA, also in Boyle Heights, and in Pasadena. And each of those enclaves had very unique properties to them, where they represented different demographics of Armenians. Mm -hmm. So in Boyle Heights, primarily in what was called the Flats, it was Armenians from the Russian Empire, or Transcaucasian Armenians, as I refer to them in my thesis. And a lot of them were Molokan Armenians, who are a lesser-known religious sect. And I actually didn't even know that there were Armenians of this religious sect here in L.A. Wow. In Pasadena, it was primarily Western Armenians from the region called Cilicia, or Kalikia in Armenian. This is a region that's in the southeast portion of Turkey on the Mediterranean coast. And then in South LA, you have a more general demographic of Armenians coming from different regions within the Ottoman Empire. It wasn't as specific as the other two. Mm -hmm. In Pasadena, there's still a large number of Armenians, but in South LA and Boyle Heights, those neighborhoods really experienced uh, settlement migration, where we see the Boyle Heights community starting to move more east. And today, you know, that community exists. It's in Montebello primarily. And then in South LA, we had a migration that goes from South LA to West Adams into Inglewood. And it kind of disperses a little bit once it gets to that point where the Armenian community, primarily second and third generation, start to assimilate into the Anglo culture. Mm -hmm. So it's not as strong as, as some of the enclaves we see today. So why is Hollywood called Little Armenia? In a 1923 thesis that was written, there's there's a brief mention of Hollywood as having a pocket of Armenians, but it doesn't seem to be too concentrated. That pocket really starts to form in the 1970s as Armenians from the Republic of Armenia come to L.A. and start settling. Through the 1980s and 90s, it really starts to pick up as the Soviet Union collapses and the Republic of Armenia experiences different economic uh, crises. So everyone thinks about Glendale when they think about the Armenian community. Why is that? And did you talk about Glendale in your thesis? How could I not talk about Glendale in my thesis? Uh, There were some Armenians that settled in Glendale after the genocide, but the population stayed really small throughout the first half of the 20th century. 
And it wasn't until the 1970s where the Armenian population really started to grow in Glendale. So all of these communities that are scattered around L.A. County have businesses and institutions and restaurants and infrastructure to support these local communities that have developed. Some of the early folks who came to Los Angeles, what kinds of businesses were they in? What were they doing? So the first Armenians that came to L.A. were primarily in the rug business, selling oriental rugs, which at the time were popular amongst wealthy Angelinos. Most of the earliest rug shops that I found were centered around Westlake, MacArthur Park, and downtown. So there was a business hub in downtown Los Angeles. And where did folks live who worked in downtown L.A.? There are a lot of Armenians who lived in the South Central Avenue corridor, south of downtown. We see early Armenian churches in this neighborhood. What kinds of churches were they, and are they still there? So the churches that uh, were established in South L.A. were both Protestant and Armenian Apostolic, which is a Orthodox uh, Christianity. The church buildings are primarily still there. The first apostolic church is on East 20th Street. It's now a, a Korean church. And so is the original Armenian Gethsemane um, church. The overall trajectory of or migration of these churches was super interesting. Uh, you can really see how the Armenian community moved, how different groups came together to form new congregations, that sort of thing. Let's talk about a few of the cool sites that you discovered. I found the Molokan churches to be really interesting. There's also a Molokan cemetery out in East LA that's right next to the freeway interchange where it looks like other cemeteries existed that were cut off during freeway construction. Yeah, we talked about some of those cemeteries in an episode not too long ago featuring Rachel Trombetta's work on the Jewish cemeteries of East LA. And they're kind of all in this same neighborhood. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to do so. But back to our story here today. So what else did you find? Armenian schools, private schools, are a really important component of the Armenian community here in Los Angeles. They're often affiliated with different religious sects. They teach specifically Armenian culture that uh, you wouldn't get in public institutions. They focus on the Armenian language. So all the students become fluent in Armenian. They teach Armenian history, which isn't covered in public schools. And the real focus of these institutions are the preservation of Armenian culture at its root. Mm -hmm. It's also important to note that schools are the byproduct of the second wave of immigration because Armenians had gained a uh, socioeconomic foothold in the U.S., allowing for more investment into these educational facilities Originally, churches were the main place where Armenians were learning the language if they weren't learning it at home. And often that method failed because it wasn't focused enough and there wasn't the discipline that you get in a standard educational uh, system. Okay, so let's talk about a few of the interesting businesses that you discovered. Yeah, the Armenian businesses are really in interesting in L.A., or as I call it, the Armenian economy in Los Angeles. Maybe one of the most interesting businesses is Persegion's Records. Persegion started around the 1980s, and it wasn't just a record store. It kind of morphed into this. If you went to the shop back in the day, 
you would walk in and there was uh, passport photos, all sorts of things that you wouldn't expect to be one of the most iconic uh, recording studios in all of the Armenian diaspora. There were artists who came to record here from Iran, from the Republic of Armenia. So people came from around the world to record in this little record store. Yeah, people came from around the world. And looking at it, you would just never expect it. It's a small 1920s brick building, commercial storefront that's just completely unassuming. But yet it was an icon of Armenian culture in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. The business is still going on, and it's an audio-video shop now. So who recorded at the record store? I think one of the most iconic artists to record at Parsegian's record store was Harut Pambukjan, who is an icon throughout the Armenian diaspora. To this day, I mean, he's still around, and I see him popping up all the time on Instagram. global rock star, basically. One of the other really interesting things I learned reading your thesis was about the media presence of the Armenian community here in Los Angeles. It's pretty significant. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like how many newspapers are there? So in Los Angeles, there's a handful of newspapers that are still in publication, Osperes being the most notable of them, which started up in Fresno and in the 1970s came down to Los Angeles. Originally it was all Armenian, but some time ago it, it switched over to being a bilingual publication. Mm-hmm. It's one of those newspapers where if you go into any Armenian market, you'll see Osperes. It's not the only one, right? There's a handful of, of newspapers. It's interesting, a lot of them have connections to Armenian political parties, which I didn't get into in this thesis. But then there's also newspapers that sprung up in response to the political newspapers, where they just didn't want anything to do with it. And they they became more of social papers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the California Courier, which was an English newspaper for the Armenian community. It covers different uh, local news for Armenians based in California. Another really interesting thing was this television station. Let's talk a little bit about that. Horizon TV in Hollywood is a significant news outlet in the Armenian community. It was the first Armenian television news channel in the United States. And it's connected to Osperes in that it's, it was sponsored by the Armenian Revolutionary Federation, which is one of the global Armenian political parties. And it's significant because it brought news of the Republic of Armenia here to Los Angeles. And it came about at a time when there was a lot of turmoil that was happening back in the Republic of Armenia. There's the Spitak earthquake that happens, which displaces tens of thousands of Armenians. Uh, There's the collapse of the Soviet Union that's happening. There's economic crises. So this was really an important way for Armenia to be brought to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. A lot of the topics that were covered on Horizon weren't covered anywhere on Western media at that time. Yeah. So it served a really important purpose for the community. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about a few of the interesting restaurants and 
food-related businesses? Food's really interesting in that it tells the story of the diaspora in itself in ways other aspects of Armenian culture doesn't necessarily tell. Food dishes are called different things, have different names with different diaspora groups, different ingredients. What a dish is made with in Armenia may not be the same that it's made with in, say, Lebanon or Syria, because ingredients just aren't the same, what's grown in those regions. But in a lot of ways, these dishes connect us to our indigenous lands and connect us to times before the genocide. Food is really central to Armenian culture in that, you know, we gather around food all the time. If you ever go to an Armenian house, you're offered plenty of food. It, it's nonstop, but it's really at its heart a, a form of cultural preservation, just like languages at the Armenian schools. Were there a couple of restaurants or markets or bakeries that really jumped out at you? I think maybe the two most well-known Armenian restaurants in Los Angeles, Carousel and Rafi's Place, are two really important restaurants to talk about. They're places where Armenian families gather and celebrate the milestones of life, and they both cater to different diaspora groups. Carousel is Lebanese Armenian, and Rafi's is Persian Armenian. Slightly different food, but Armenian nonetheless. It seems to be one of those things where Armenians can argue for hours about what's Armenian food and what what's not. And here in LA, you just you get every diaspora group's cuisine, and it, it's just really amazing. If you ever go to these Armenian enclaves, there's markets on every corner catering to different groups. In Little Armenia, there's Arbat Grocery, which is, I, I believe it's the oldest remaining market in Little Armenia. You also have Sahag's Bostorma, which is a deli that specializes in Bostorma, a cured meat from central Anatolia or the Armenian highlands. Harut, who's the owner of Sahogs, is a third-generation Bostorma maker. His family originated in uh, Kayseria in Turkey. So Bostorma is a cured meat that is prepared with salt and a mixture called fenugreek, which is a mix of cayenne pepper, paprika, pepper, cumin, and garlic that's spread all over the outside of the meat, and it's uh, left to air dry and cure. As the late food critic Jonathan Gold once said, it's one of the most powerful flavored cold cuts in the world. Well, if Jonathan Gold said that, then you know it's true. There we go. So here's an important question. When you were doing your research, did you eat at all of these restaurants and bakeries? I actually did. Yeah. (laughs) That's the beauty of research, my friends, right there. I think it was every weekend I would go and eat something just as a way to motivate myself. Absolutely. In the name of research. Yeah. (laughs) You know, of course, you had to interview folks who own these restaurants and bakeries and businesses and all of those things. Who else did you talk to in the course of your research? How did you discover some of these spots? I talked to a number of people, people that I was connected to through family, people that I knew from the Heritage Conservation Program. A big thank you to Ani and her grandmother, who were just invaluable sources for my research. It was really amazing. I made a list of sites and I sent it to Ani to do some fact checking. And next thing I know, I got a text that her grandmother was connecting with all of her friends in Little Armenia to to identify others. Oh, the network. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
That's amazing. So you got the grandma network. Uh, the working. grandma network is clutch. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I know a lot of the photos that you used in your thesis, and we'll feature a bunch of them on the website for this episode, were from you driving around to see these places and to explore these different communities. Was it fun to go out and see all these different places? And did you turn unexpected corners in your research? I would say that driving around LA and taking these photos was probably my favorite part of writing this thesis. It allowed me to really understand migration patterns in the community. It was also really interesting to see sites that weren't necessarily connected to the Armenian community anymore and had been repurposed. It's the story of layered history that I think is so important to what we do. You found some really interesting things in the course of your research, but along the way you compiled kind of a master list of all the sites that you could find that were related to the community. So how many ended up being on your list? So there's 137 sites on my list. And that's not to say that that's all the sites in Los Angeles County. There's so many more sites that can make it on this list in different neighborhoods that I didn't cover in this thesis. So we've now talked about all these different kinds of places. You've, you've made a pretty impressive list. How do we acknowledge these places? How do we understand them as sites of significance to the Armenian community? What were some of the tools that you talked about in your thesis? So I think the first and probably most important tool that I I talk about in my thesis is the need for a historic context statement for the Armenian community, not just here in Los Angeles, but throughout the state. There's a sizable Armenian population that I think deserves to have a, a context written about them. It's a really interesting and important history. It's really multi-layered and complex. One historic context statement for one city, it needs much more research than just one. What were some of the other interesting ideas you had about ways to acknowledge and conserve the Armenian sites of significance in LA County? I think a mapping resource would be really important for preserving Armenian heritage here in Los Angeles and the sites connected to it. There's so many sites out there that could qualify. I mean, just on my list, I have 137, but you know, there's countless others out there that, that I didn't uncover in the different neighborhoods that maybe I didn't touch in my thesis. But that's not to say that those neighborhoods and enclaves don't matter. They're equally as important and they deserve just as much research as the ones talked about in this paper. And with mapping, I think it needs to be um, community-driven. I don't think that this is something that can be done from outside the community because these sites aren't necessarily, you know, architecturally significant where you can drive by and just at a glance be like, oh, that's an important historic site. These are often unassuming buildings that a lot of times have been altered throughout the decades that don't necessarily have the integrity that we talk about so much in heritage conservation. To me, at least, it's not the building fabric that matters as much as the stories inside. There are some sites that are what we would think of as traditional landmarks, churches and things like that. But they're not yet landmarked. Why is that? A lot of times from my interviews and from community meetings that I went to, you know, 
a lot of people just don't know that landmarking is an option as a way to save historic places. I think there's a couple of sites that you identified that are really obvious sites to landmark, like the record store, right? Yeah, I would love to see Parsegian's landmarked. I think that historic resources in Little Armenia are really important to pay attention to right now as uh, the community is changing. There's been gentrification in the area. There's a migration that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I personally am afraid that a lot of these sites are going to be lost to time if landmarking or some other form of heritage conservation doesn't come in. I mean, to date, there's hardly any Armenian representation in in our field. I was excited to read just today that there's some efforts to create a legacy business program in the city of Los Angeles, which doesn't help all of these places because, of course, L.A. County is much beyond the city of L.A., but certainly that's a step in the right direction towards being able to help some of these small businesses stay in business and continue to serve the community. Our legacy business program is really important to preserving not just Armenian heritage businesses, but all throughout Los Angeles, the different businesses that are in danger, whether they don't have succession planning or outside forces that are that are putting pressure on them right now, especially through the pandemic. Yeah, a lot of businesses have gone under during COVID. So I want to thank you for coming and spending a little time talking to us about the Armenian resources in LA County. I know I learned a ton when I worked with you on this thesis, and I'm really excited to see what comes next. Thanks for having me, Trudy. This is something that I'm really excited and passionate about, and I was really happy that I could turn this into a thesis. Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. Trudy, thank you so much for that really great conversation with Eric, who, by the way, we should note, is now working at the Los Angeles Conservancy on their advocacy team. But wait, there's more. You can visit our website at saveas.place. Go to the episode page for photos and links to very cool information, including a video on L.A.'s Armenian disco scene of the 1970s by DJ Daron Sasunyan and Dining in Diaspora, an Armenian food blog by Liana Agajanian. You can also take our Save As survey if you haven't already. You can still get a mug. Who doesn't want a mug? Everyone wants a mug. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Save As. Tune in next time for a chat about bringing people from the margins to the center. How were people leaning on their heritage as a way of resisting that eliminatory impulse and saying we have a right to be and we're not just it's not just our physical presence, but it's everything that we inherit and bring with us and embed in the land. If you haven't already, please subscribe, review and tell a friend. This episode was produced by Willis Seidenberg and me. We had help from Chloe Kuffel, and we want to give a big shout out to all the help we've received from Lindsay Mulcahy, who is a recent grad and an alumna here of Save As as well. Our original theme music is by Stephen Conley. Save As is a production of the Heritage Conservation Program in the School of Architecture at the University of Southern California. <laughs>